Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 16. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. David said in verse 2, what's up? Why have you brought all this to us? Ziba said, well, I just thought I would do something nice and bring some donkeys, bread, summer fruits to eat. Y'all got to eat, you know, just in case you've got some downtime and you guys are sitting around and you feel a little bit of faint. Yeah, drink some wine. David said in verse three, where's Mephibosheth? And Ziba said, he's waiting. Look at the statement, saints. He's waiting back in Jerusalem basically saying, waiting for you and Absalom to destroy each other, and then the kingdom will be restored to his family. Now listen, you're taking notes in your Bibles? Write this next to that statement. That's a flat-out lie. That is a flat-out lie. And we know that from 2 Samuel 19. Don't turn there. We know that from 2 Samuel 19. Ziba is looking for opportunity. Ziba is positioning himself. Second Samuel nineteen seventeen also tells us that Ziba had 15 sons. He had 15 sons and it tells us he had 20 servants. So remember, he was making money off of managing an estate, but he's no longer making that money now. So he's positioning himself and he has 15 mouths to feed and 20 servants that work for him. It is possible that Ziba thought that he should have gotten all that Mephibosheth got from David. David is coming down the mountain of olives and Ziba tells David a bona fide face lie. Maybe because he's now just Mephibosheth's servant. No longer overseeing an estate. Now you're just a servant to Mephibosheth. Maybe his pride is hurt. But we know the problem with lies, don't we? They always catch up to you. Second Samuel chapter 19, you can read this in your own time. But after Absalom, listen, died, David runs into Mephibosheth and he asked him why he didn't come. And Mephibosheth said, because Ziba lied and said, no need for me to come. I got this. Read it for yourself later. We don't have time. Second Samuel 19. So Ziba lies. I think this info from Ziba had to be tough for David because it seems like at this point in his life, everybody has turned their back on him. The hearts of all the men of Israel have turned against David. His own son has turned against him. His best friend Ahithophel has turned against him. And now another person who David helped, which would be in his mind, he doesn't know it's a lie. So in his mind, Mephibosheth, whom he helped, has also turned against him. 
So David is probably at this point going, man, everybody is turning against me. But notice David's response in verse 4. Notice how he responds. David said, Ziba, all that belong to Mephibosheth is yours. Remember, he doesn't know that he's being lied to. Are y'all getting that? Ziba said, oh, I humbly accept this check. I mean, I bow before you that I might find favor in your sight, oh my Lord, oh my King. Proverbs eighteen thirteen. He who answers a matter before he hears it all, it is folly and a shame to him. See, David gave away Mephibosheth's possessions, not really having the whole story. David made a rash decision. And he gave away all Mephibosheth's property to Ziba, and that's exactly what Ziba wanted. Now, that being said, look at verse 5. Now, when King David came to Baharum, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shammai, the son of Girah, coming from there. And he came out, note this, saints, Cursing continually as he came. And he threw stones at David. And all the servants of the king and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. Also, Shammai said thus when he cursed, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil, David, because you are a bloodthirsty man. And Abishai, the son of Zorah, said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Please let me go and take his head off. But the king said... Let me some Abishai. The king said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zorah? So let him curse. Because the Lord has said to him, curse David. Who then shall say, why have you done so? I'll explain. And so David said to Abishai and all of his servants, see how my son who came from my own body seeks my life? How much more now may this Benjamite... Saul's tribe, let him alone and let him curse for so the Lord has ordered it. And it may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went along the road, Shammai went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went threw stones at them and kicked up dust. Now the king and all the people who were with them became weary, and so they refreshed themselves there. Okay, stop right there. Give me your attention. Let me tell you what's going on. David came to Baharum, and a man, as the Bible tells us, a man from the house of Saul, his name is Shammai, sees David, runs out of the front door, picks up some stones and some dirt. He starts throwing the stones and cursing David out. Verse 6 tells us he threw some stones at David and all of his servants. That would mean the Jarethites, the Pelethites, the Gittites, uh, Abishai, and General Joab, which it is not wise to throw stones at General Joab, okay? That's not wise. David is thinking, oh, great. Everybody in Israel hates me. My son hates me. My best friend hates me. 
I got all those wives. Surely one of them hates me. <laughs> Mephibosheth hates me. And now this guy Shammai is throwing stones and dirt and cursing at me. He hates me. It can't get any worse. Listen, don't ever say it can't get any worse. Because just when you say it can't get any worse, guess what happens? It gets worse. Y'all some small folks. You is smart. You is kind. And you is important. Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar was a motivational speaker. And he said, when you throw dirt at people, you're not doing a thing but losing ground. I like that. Jesus said in John 8, 7, Jesus said, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. This guy has the audacity to throw stones and curse the king. Think about the audacity to speak to the king that way and his servants that way. Who does this guy think he is? The gall to speak that way to one of the greatest men of God who ever lived Shammai in verse 7 is screaming, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty men, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil because you are bloodthirsty. Now listen, Shammai is saying all this is happening to David because David wiped out the house of Saul. Shammai is rude disrespectful and what he is saying is not true it is not true if you know your bibles you know that's not true verse 8 the lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of saul you are caught in your own evil that's not true he's wrong none of this came upon david because of what he did to saul as a matter of fact saints don't y'all know your bible david actually treated saul and his family graciously It was David who said, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I might show kindness to? Jonathan's gone. He didn't have to make good on that promise. Didn't have to. But he did. Because David actually is an honorable man. He's a man after God's own heart. He's kind of messed up, but he's a man after God's own heart. Some of y'all are going to be messed up, but God loves you anyway. Look at your name and say, he right. He right. He he right about that. You messed up. You really messed up. So David is a man after God's own heart. He loved Jonathan. And he loved the family of Saul. And he showed them grace. It was David who refused to touch the Lord's anointed. He was wrong because David was not a bloodthirsty man. Saul was dead because of his rebellion against God. Remember, Saul died on the battlefield. And don't you remember when Saul died on the battlefield, David wrote the man a song. That doesn't sound like somebody who's bloodthirsty and rogue. He wrote him a song, the song of the bow. We talked about it. We, we thought about it. David honored Saul all the way to the end of his life. And David didn't bring Saul and his family to ruin. Saul brought Saul and his family to ruin. And let's be clear. Shammai was right in that the Lord had brought this upon David, but not for the reasons that he stated. All of this is coming upon David because the sword shall never depart from his house. 
I told you weeks ago, don't lose sight of that one verse. Because it is woven all the way through the text until we get to the end of Second Samuel. All this has come upon David because Nathan prophesied to David that the sword would never depart from his house. Now, in Hebrew, the word never means never. Never means never. Never, no, 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 not ever. Shall it depart from your house? So there's always going to be problems in David's life. All of this calamity had everything to do with David's sin with Bathsheba. And David knows that. He knows that. He knows that, that he is plagued by that. We talked about that. He wrote about it many, many times in the Psalms. And this was part of the consequences of David's sin. As we talked about one week that David is reaping what he has sown. We all reap what we sow. If you sow the wind, you'll reap the whirlwind. If you sow peas, you will get peas. If you sow carrots, you'll get carrots. If you sow oranges, you'll get oranges. Wait a minute, oranges come from a tree. If you plant an orange tree, you'll get an orange tree. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I know I'm right about it. You reap what you sow, period. You sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. David knows that, and he knows that he is reaping what he has sown, and the enemy probably can't stop beating him up about it, and he's being beat up about it, because I'll tell you something, saints. When you sin, you can be sure, and you sin, and you sin hard, and you fall hard, you can be sure the enemy will constantly remind you. He will never, ever let you forget the enemy will never, ever say, you know, I think I'll give you a break today. The enemy's not going to say that. He never will. When you're down, the enemy will hammer you and hammer you and hammer you and hammer you until you are dust. Right now, David is down as he can possibly be. David can't seem to catch a break. And now the enemy wakes up this guy, Shammai. And says, hey, run out there, throw some stones and call David a cold-blooded murderer and tell him he's getting what he deserves. And so, verse 9, Shammai is cussing, throwing rocks, kicking dirt. Abishai said, enough. I'm tired of listening to his potty mouth. I'm a little sick and tired of dodging these stones. Abishai said, why is this dead dog cursing my king? Let me take his head off. I love that. Let me take his head off. And this phrase, dead dog, we see it a lot, actually, in Scripture, in the Old Testament. Um, What does it mean, Pastor? I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I, I, I think nowhere is it definitive in the Bible. Just it's like just like an insult. I think it's just more like an insult. Like, 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 I'm going to really insult you. Like, talk about your mother or something, you know? It's like, I'm going to call you a dead dog. You dead dog. And you're supposed to go, man, you say that again. And I'm going to knock out your teeth, man. Dead dog. <laughs> it's kind of like, I guess. I don't, I, that's, that's about all I can come up with. I mean, I, 
I'm not really sure exactly why, but it's used quite a bit. Abishai said, why is this dead dog cursing my king? And then look at verse 10. Fascinating. David said, let him curse. Because the Lord has said to him, curse David. Note this, saints. Note this. Why, who then shall say, why have you done so? David saw this as possibly from the hand of God. David said, let him curse me. Maybe God is in it. Maybe I'm supposed to learn something from it. David knew God was able to shut him up. So David left it to God. And sometimes when people are saying things, you just need to leave it up to God. Everything doesn't need to be handled. Remember, I said earlier that some things are are just higher than right or wrong. Some things in the kingdom are just higher than right or wrong. You can't fight for everything that is right. If you fought for everything that's right, you'd be fighting all the time. Or everything that you think is right. You'll be fighting all the time. So David said, just leave it. Just leave it. Some things need to be just left to God. You don't always have to be right. There are things higher in the kingdom. And truth. He calls David a bloodthirsty man. Listen to this. He calls David a bloodthirsty man. Listen, if David was a bloodthirsty man, Shammai wouldn't be standing there. David would have said, Abishai, bring me his, his head. I'm tired of hearing his mouth. If David was a bloodthirsty man. David, notice, put the Shammai problem in perspective, verse 11. David said, my son, who came from my body, is trying to kill me. Who cares what this Benjamite says? Let him curse me. Maybe God ordered it. In other words, if God is using my own son as a chastening rod for my sin with Bathsheba, then what am I supposed to say or what am I supposed to do? Are y'all hearing this? David says this is probably, possibly the chastening of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 11 says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. David says this was possibly the chastening of the Lord. Who knows? And notice, you know, David is better than me. David is a better man than me. I probably would have said, listen, I don't know who this guy thinks he's talking to. I'm the king. Yeah, I'm running. But I'm still the king. I'm running, king. <laughs> running for my son, but I'm running. I'm the king. I probably, me, would have said, Abishai, let's get ahead of this and cut off his head. (laughs) Get it ahead of this. I ain't think much, (laughs) y'all. I worked on it all day long. Goodness gracious. (laughs) I think that's good, Tony. What you think? I think I think that's good. David's better than me. David is godly. David said, God raised him up to curse me. Let him curse me. That's mind-boggling. Somebody once said, more Christians are willing to be ruined by praise than to be saved by criticism. More Christians are willing to be ruined by praise than to be saved by criticism. Sometimes there are some things to learn in criticism. It really is. 
criticism that comes to you the right way. There's some things to learn there. We should be completely, we Christians should be completely open to criticism. Me at Pastor Rodney, I should be open to criticism. What I'm not open to is griping and complaining. Amen. No, I'm not open to that. No, I'm not. No, I'm not open to people. Of, you doing this wrong. Well, you doing that wrong. Well, you doing this wrong. Well, you did that wrong. Well, you did this wrong. Well, what should I do? I don't know. But you did this wrong and you did that wrong. And you did this. Wrong. I'm not open to that. No, I'm not open to that. That's just non. It's not constructive criticism. I'm open to criticism that says and who it is that's doing the criticizing. Some people just want to criticize because they just want to criticize because that's just what they do. But who's, you know, if you you know, if you're going to criticize somebody, they should know you love them. I can deal with it if I know you love me, if I know you care for me. I'll tell you something very personal. I was talking to somebody on the phone on Monday, as a matter of fact, and something I said um, offended them in some way. Um, no surprise. Um, you cannot pastor a church of this nature. And what I mean by that is of this, this uh, number of people and this uh, depth of diversity on every level, social, economic, religious. People here, here in this church from all backgrounds and all religious affiliations and all races and ethnicities and uh, economic backgrounds. Some rich folk go here, some poor folk, not so rich folk go here. I don't know if they're poor or not. And um, all kinds of people. I mean, I mean you, 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 you can't pastor a church like this and not offend some. You can't pastor a church, period, and not offend somebody. Because if nothing else, God's word is going to offend you. Because this word is contrary to you. This book is contrary to you and me. So even if I just said what was right here and didn't say one other thing, not one other thing, I would offend you. So it's no, no surprise to me that... Somebody would say, well, you know, Pastor, that wasn't, you know, that offend, it offended me. Actually, it happens more than you think, unfortunately. <laughs> no bother. No bother at all. Uh, especially when that criticism is coming from someone that I know, which was the case on Monday, loves me. They really love me. They really care for me. I know that. They've been here a very long time. Loved me, supported me, supported this church, supported you, helped you, blessed you. You don't know who they are. I do. So when they say something critical, I listen. Because of who it's coming from. Now, if I don't know you and you just you, you've been here like two weeks or something and you come, well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you this. Well, let me tell you that. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you that. Be like, oh, that's the most. Okay. 
I can't hear that. So criticism is not a bad thing. It just depends on who it's coming from and how it's coming at you. We have to remain open enough as a body, as a body of believers to disagree with each other, but not like take each other's head off just because we disagree. We can disagree like nice folk. Y'all got mighty quiet right there. Then y'all, y'all like, no, we can't. No, we can't. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Because we're brothers and sisters. We're family. And you can't pick your family, okay? So you, you have to get along with your family. And, and you have to be able to talk to your family whether they agree or they don't agree. And we have to remain open to, to, to criticism, to, to, to people um, not agreeing with you. That just, honestly, in this job, it just uh, uh, comes along uh, with the job. It's just, just, just the way it is. You know, I was talking about criticism. I read this um, other story. Uh, uh, George Winfield, who was a, um, uh, he was involved in the uh, Methodism, uh, right? Evangelist. Um, and get my facts straight there. And um, he said this at one point in his ministry. He said he received a vicious letter accusing him of wrongdoing and saying really nasty things about him. And Whitfield responded with a brief letter. He wrote, I thank you heartily for your letter. As for what you and my other enemies are saying against me, I know worse things about myself than you will ever know about me. With love, George Whitfield. I love that. I know worse stuff about me than you will ever know. So talk as you may. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.